0: Hello and welcome to season two of Chatting to a Friend. Season one was the most amazing experience for me, and the life lessons and wisdom I learned from my guests, plus the fun I had, was absolutely beyond my wildest dreams. The goal for season two is to add more variety and diversity to my guest list. I absolutely love adventure and sport, and so those will still feature heavily, but I wanted to talk to more women who have very different life experiences to mine, careers, backgrounds, and challenges that I wanted to learn more about to widen my understanding and broaden my horizons. I realise there's a lot of me, me, me in this intro, but it's because I still feel like it's the most extraordinary privilege for me to talk to and learn from these women. And so even if no one's listening, it remains the most personal of all my projects. Having said that, from the amazing feedback I've had and how much you have kept listening between seasons, I know you're going to love these conversations too. Please don't forget to rate and review the podcast either on Apple or on lovethepodcast.com forward slash chatting to a friend. I can't wait to hear how you love season two. Today's guest is Frankie Dewar and I invited Frankie on the show because I am always Thrilled by her Instagram and her attitude and her adventures. She has cycled 3,000 kilometers around the UK. She basically just interviewed people about their take on adventure and she gathered so many stories. She has a podcast that's award winning. And she is not only that, but she's a supporter of her partner, Frit, who is a former guest on Chatting to a Friend, as they took on their challenge, Glide for Pride. And really, this conversation is a little bit of everything, actually. It's a little bit about adventure. It's a little bit about support. It's a little bit about just everything. And we got quite deep quite quickly. So brace yourself. There's some pretty good subjects in there. Um, It was an absolute pleasure to have Frankie on the podcast. And I really hope you love this episode. Hi Frankie, how are you?
1: Hello, I'm good, thank you. Very excited to be chatting to you.
0: Yeah, it is very exciting actually because we've sort of crossed paths and yeah, we've chatted about you helping me and we've talked, you know, we've chatted on social media but it's the first time we're going to sit down and have a good old chinwag.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: I'm excited.
1: So I have to say,
0: the the first time I came across you uh, was to do with your podcast, Extraordinary Ordinary. You. Have I got that right? Oh my God, I think I just got that. (laughs) Just sudden panic that I'd got it all the wrong way around. Sorry. And you recorded that in a fairly unusual way because here I am sitting at my desk in my house, you know, with my computer and my mic, but you did yours a little bit differently. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah I did do it quite differently and I'm going to start by saying that actually when I first had the idea it was more that there were stories that I wanted to share and I didn't really know how to share them so I just wanted to capture them and Mm -hmm. then see what happened after that Um, and actually right at the start coming up with this idea I was petrified about the thought of interviewing people Mm -hmm. and making a podcast and I just didn't have confidence in that area of my life at all. So to tell your listeners a little bit more about what it is, Extraordinary You is a podcast from where I cycled 3000 kilometers around the UK, interviewing women and non-binary people who are older than me about their adventurous lives and what they do in the outdoors. And it was born in lockdown one, Mm-hmm. Like many people, I think lockdown one for me was a, a, quite a turbulent life shift and it really had me thinking about what am I actually doing with my life? Is this the right thing to be doing? And in that there was also some, some sort of like underlying guilt and almost selfishness in that I was trying to live a really adventurous life. And I wanted to live in my van and I wanted to do all these things and kind of like dirtbag lifestyle a little bit. So I didn't have to work as much and, you know, really live this different kind of life. Um, And then when lockdown happened, we obviously got thrown off van life and ended up very kindly borrowing a friend's holiday home to live in during lockdown. But I found that quite hard. I was sort of like, who am I to be living this life? If any time anything goes wrong, I have to sort of fall back on someone or fall back on something. And mm. I really wanted in that moment a mentor or someone older than me who I could look up to who was living that life and ask them, like, how did you do it? What did you do? How does it feel? Can you get through this? And I, I couldn't really see those people often when we think about successful people to look up to we think about people who have big careers or lots of money or Mm. the perfect family we don't see people who are climbing mountains and living in vans (laughs) (laughs) and so I wanted to find those people and I thought if I feel like this if I feel like I don't know where my place is and I can't see the people that I want to look up to there are sure as anything other people that feel like this too
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and it was a sort of a really young idea and I was like oh maybe it would be fun to do it as a bike ride and cycle around and interview people few people and that way you know the bike ride would help to promote it and get some traction and I sort of I posted on a Facebook group and I was so nervous when I posted that people were going to come back to me and be like why do you want to talk to anyone why do you want to do this this is a terrible idea that I just had to like shut the laptop and walk away <laughs> from it and I told myself that if nobody replied it doesn't matter like let the idea go and that if six people replied that's it I would do the trip and I would visit the six people mm. and then over 150 people commented <gasps> oh, oh my word <laughs> I know, which was just the most overwhelming and beautiful and ridiculous thing ever. There were so many people who, from one end of the age spectrum, were commenting and saying, no, I go swimming every day. No, I still go mountain climbing. No, I'm still like this. I've had an operation and now I've only got one lung and I run marathons. And there were all these people from that end who were saying, you know, the outdoors doesn't stop when you turn 30 or when you turn 40 or when you turn 50. Mm. And your passions don't stop either. And then on the other hand, there were also so many people commenting, saying like, yes, I feel this too. Yeah, where are these people? Yes, these stories need to be heard. So yeah, that was it. That was the trip cemented. (laughs) Uh, That's
0: incredible. And so I'm interested in what you said about these measures of success. Mm. And it's such, I I personally feel, you know, that lockdown and all this whole craziness of the pandemic has changed a lot of people's views on what is success. And, but you seem to have had that quite early on, because I'm thinking about, you know, people can work from home, big, massive companies are seeing that that is absolutely possible. But also that, you know, success is not just driven by, as you say, money and status and cars and homes and you know people I think are moving more to looking at mental health work-life balance and all those sorts of things I'm interested to know how you sort of came to that quite so quickly was it just this sort of having to sort of give up the life you wanted and moving into the person's house that you thought oh hold on a minute or was there more
1: I I feel like I've always had a sense of the shortness and the fragility of life. Mm-hmm. My mum my got quite ill when I was quite young um, and then she's still sort of like battling with those health problems now. And I think if there's one thing that that really shows you and that really sticks with you is about how many opportunities there are that you could take and how much you need to grab them and hold on to them. Like right now like mm. yesterday and then also with that I feel like being a young carer there's almost these other responsibilities that you sort of have to do and I wouldn't say it, it felt like I was missing out on life but I always knew that at some point there would be an opportunity to really grab onto life and sort of getting into my 20s I started getting into the outdoors and when I did I majorly wanted to catch up I wanted (laughs) to do all of the things and be so skilled about all of those things and really grab that aspect of life Mm. and as soon as I did that moment for me of being like wow I want to be able to do all these things that i currently can't do that for me shaped that that is what success would look like success would look like having the skills to be able to go out hiking by myself it would look like going climbing it would look like you know having a camping trip with a group of friends and how do
0: you feel i i i'm afraid i didn't know about the young, being a young carer and i'm really sorry to hear that what do you, what did you learn from that in terms of your empathy and good things and perhaps bad things? Were there times when you were envious of what other people were doing?
1: Mm, Completely. Um, Oh, that's a, that's a tricky question to think on. Um, I think there always is. There is always this Balance in life between being envious of what other people are doing and then seeing that rather than something where you're like, Oh, they're doing it, and I really wish that I could do it right now. Mm. Instead, seeing it and being like, They're doing that, so that needs to go on my list of things that I'm drawn to, and I want to do that. And in some ways, I don't think envy is necessarily this bad word that we make it out to be. Actually, envy can show us what those things are that mm. we think are going to be success, or show us those things are that we're really drawn to, but in the same time, I think you get very good at being grateful for the little things, like the tiny moments that you do have
0: I was just reading something that Mel Robbins, you know the motivational speaker, she has mm-hmm. a big thing at the moment, she calls it jealousy, which I had a bit of an issue with but anyway she she says that the envy is not necessarily a bad thing it can be it's a it's as you say it's a pointer it's a something that shows you what you want perhaps clearer than you may have realized before
1: definitely and I think there's there's stepping stones with it isn't it you sort of you see something and you're like oh I feel like I want this and then you try it and then you get there and you're like oh This doesn't feel quite like what I thought it would. So maybe (laughs) I try that. And then you step to another stepping stone and then another stepping stone and then another stepping stone. And then before you know it, five years later, you look back and you've crossed this huge river and you're like, Mm. wow, like, how did I quite get from there to here?
0: But yours sounds reasonably intentional. I mean, you said that when you were caring for your mum, that you almost I don't know whether you had actually physically had a list or it was just a mental list but that you knew at some point that you would do it and then you would try this and then you would try that was was it as intentional as that absolutely
1: not honestly (laughs) (laughs) I mean it's one of these things and looking back you can always make sense of it but looking forwards you're almost just drawn to the next Mm. best thing and I think about some of the like the stepping stones and the things where I was like, oh, I really want to do this. And then I think about the things I'm doing now. And there's just, there's no way that my 15 year old self would have been able to imagine Mm -hmm. cycling around the country. Mm. But my 15 year old self could imagine that maybe I'd go to university. And whilst I was at university, I might join a few societies and I'd meet loads of different people.
0: Mm.
1: you know you sort of see what you can see at the time and then gradually that grows
0: yeah and and you said one of the very first things you said was that you had no confidence in the ability or the even the sort of method of of being able to tell these stories or even find the stories you know the sort of Mm -hmm. put it out on Facebook and shut the laptop stick your fingers in ears and run away (laughs) you know (laughs) Um, and I can see now why you might have thought that but how much of a a success was that to even get those answers how how amazing did that feel
1: oh my days hugely validating (laughs) so validating and then I feel like this whole process of doing the podcast has been like one validating step after another I often think that the emotions that we feel that only we have are probably the ones that are going to resonate the most with other people the more you're like oh i don't know if anybody else feels this yeah the more they probably do and that's something that i've definitely learned from this process
0: it's extraordinary you say that because i my podcast was born out of lockdown as well for slightly different reasons but also i've and i've said it before but i i find i have found just talking to women about their lives, their stories, their childhoods, their, all the things, all the challenges, all the successes has for me just been the most extraordinary and unbelievable life masterclass. I don't know if you feel the same.
1: Yeah, completely. I set off on the journey and I didn't really know who I was going to be talking to or what their life journeys were going to be like. And I found that there are so many people doing life in so many different ways.
0: Mm.
1: And, you know, I'd ask people if they felt like they had a clear path through life, really similar to the question that you just asked me. And Mm. everybody would laugh and say, no. (laughs) You know, nobody or very few people know exactly where they're going and it works out exactly the way they think it would and there's something hugely reassuring in knowing yeah. that even people who when they tell you their story it sounds like they knew exactly where they were going actually when they were in that moment they had no idea
0: <laughs> and what are some of the other similarities that you found between the people uh, between the people you interviewed
1: the- Well, lots of similarities and there were lots of differences. One that I really like to talk about is that I would ask everybody I spoke to, what's one thing you know about yourself now that you wish you had known sooner? And so many people would tell me, I wish I'd known that I was enough. Mm. And they don't mean enough in terms of when they like completed the marathon or when they'd climbed the mountain, or doing all these amazing swim challenges. They talked about wishing they'd known they were enough when they were going through depression, when they were having a divorce, when there was a miscarriage, when they were battling with like homophobia or transphobia. They wish they'd known they were enough in like the really darkest times of their life.
0: Mm.
1: And I think there's something so powerful in that, not just in terms of even starting to think about like well what does enough mean but also if so many people look back at their lives and wish they'd known they're enough how many people are there right now who don't know that they're enough
0: yeah and by enough and you just mentioned it there what do you see that meaning
1: I um, When I first came off the cycle ride, I was like, this is it. I've cracked the code. I just have to think that I am enough and boom, I'm going to believe that I'm enough and that's okay. And life's great. Apparently, Katie, let me tell you, doesn't work <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it's much deeper than that. And, you know, it's much more interlinked into so many other perceptions that we have of ourselves Mm. and it's definitely something that I've realized is an ongoing journey and somewhere where I'm still working and discovering what it really means in the areas where I'm like yes I am enough and discovering the places of me where maybe I'm ignoring that there's like an underlying current or an underlying belief of not not feeling enough not feeling like I've achieved enough or done enough Mm -hmm. or you know that there's something I have to prove or be and sometimes I think
0: that that it can be a powerful driver Mm. and it's you know it's when you get to those hard sort of nasty sticky uncomfortable places in your own self-development mm-hmm. that you think yeah I was ignoring that and it's really not something I like about myself or or whatever there's this this sort of line between I am a good person and I you know and I'm 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 doing well and I've done a lot of the things I want to do but actually this is something I really need to think about now
1: yeah completely and I feel like there is a a question there in terms of what is a good person and what would be mm. a good person to me and yeah I feel like there's questions and no answers there <laughs> no exactly no you're
0: right and I don't really have the answers either I'm just quite enjoying the philosophical chit chat of <laughs> yeah. I, I like it because it is it's I think it's really important that you know and I'm, I'm a bit older than you and it, it sort of feels that as I head towards my 50s that you know you sort of you know what's classically been always known as the midlife crisis that you sort of think okay right this this is where I've got to thus far what what, what's next what do I do next but not necessarily what do I do next but who am I next and it's just very interesting I like it (laughs) um so apart from all the beautiful conversations that you had and the funny and the Emotional and so on. How was the physical journey for you? They actually, because you cycled 3,000 kilometers, that is no mean feat.
1: So I hadn't really cycled before. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did have in my mind for a little while that I might want to do a cycling trip. And then in lockdown one, my, up my partner bought bikes. Mm. And I can remember picking up the bike and having to cycle 200 meters. get to the car park then put the van on the car to take it home um and i was so petrified on those 200 meters that i couldn't (laughs) even indicate to say that i was turning oh my goodness but we we started building up and doing like you know these little cycle rides and going out every weekend and so when i set off on the trip i didn't really i wasn't that anxious about the cycling because i didn't know what i had to be afraid of
0: that the the power of naivety
1: yeah they were so naive and I spoke to a few different people and I kind of judged that if I rode 60 kilometers a day roughly mm. and then that would be achievable for someone that hadn't really cycled very much mm-hmm. and 60 kilometers sounds like an awful lot if you think about going out for a bike ride and it's an hour and maybe you cycle 10k mm. but actually when you're cycle touring you've got the entire day to do it so mm. I could make it last 10 hours if I needed to going really, really slowly and stopping <laughs> every half an hour. And that's how I did it. And I just built up most of the fitness on the cycle ride mm. and it was exhausting. I think doing a cycle ride and interviewing people at the same time is mm. it makes it not just physically exhausting, but mentally exhausting. Um, But also, it was so beautiful to have that time to process in between each interview where I was just Mm. cycling by myself and I could talk to myself. And (laughs) for the first month, I didn't listen to any music or any podcasts or anything. I just sort of cycled and chatted to myself. There is something
0: very lovely. And I've talked to lots of adventurers and and people about the, the fact that although it's a big challenge, Whatever it is you choose to do, sometimes the simplicity of just turning your pedals or putting one foot in front of the other or keeping paddling or whatever it might be is actually in itself just a joy and a relief from daily life.
1: Yeah, completely. Like once you're out on the road, you can't worry so much about what's going on at home or if you've got work coming up in the next month or you know you take a step out of everything that you're doing and instead you take a step into okay well all I need to do today is I need to get to this place and I need to eat and I need to interview this person and I need to sleep (laughs) and it just breaks down into these like simplest needs and I think particularly because I had let's face it no idea what I was doing (laughs) I couldn't do any of it on autopilot Mm. particularly the first few weeks of cycling it's not like I was cycling on autopilot and Mm. navigating and knew where I was going I was so focused on everything that I was doing that yeah there wasn't any room for anything else it's, it's, it's
0: quite interesting you say that, that sort of meditative almost that I get when I, I don't actually like rock climbing at all, but I know that in the times that I have done it, that it's one of those things where you are so focused and so you cannot think of anything else at all. Your mind is just completely empty of anything other than the task in hand. And it, as you say, it's, it can be mentally exhausting, it is mentally exhausting, but it's actually quite freeing in a way.
1: Yeah, definitely. And that's how I felt about the cycling. And also about the interviews, Mm. I did have so much anxiety about the fact that, you know, I'm an introvert. Before going on this trip, I wouldn't have even said that I would have held a very good conversation. So (laughs) let alone to interview somebody. And so I was so worried about this part of myself that wouldn't be able to come up with questions that wouldn't be able to do the interviews that wouldn't, get the best out of these people who were giving me their time Mm. that I was hyper-focused in. I'm going to say almost all of the interviews because actually I did some interviews where I was exhausted and now I listen back to them and I'm like, oh no, Frankie. Um, (laughs) But in almost all of the interviews I did, I also had that absolute hyper-focus where you are just, I mean people talk about being in flow and, you know, only being able to focus on that one thing that you're doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So when you were recording with all these incredible people like you were just going into their homes and setting up and and I mean that must have been pretty scary as you say for someone who's a self-confessed introvert and not very sure they could hold a conversation
1: yes um <laughs> the first one I did I interviewed my partner for it because I was like okay I don't know if any of these questions are any good, so I'm going to try them out on you and see if I get any good answers. <laughs> the second person I interviewed was a friend of mine who was is a life coach and is amazing. And she was so good to talk to. And then the third person I interviewed was someone who I had never met before, who I reached out to on the internet and said, I'd like to interview you. I'm going to cycle to your house on mm-hmm. this date. And so walking up to their house, I was... Petrified, (laughs) like so scared. But there is something about how, if you do something quite a few times, it becomes a lot less scary. Mm. And I really remember this tipping point when I got to Bristol, so maybe about two weeks into the trip. And I cycled up to someone's house, and I was a little bit early, and they were actually getting changed. So their six-year-old daughter let me in and I remember just like strolling in, taking my bags off my bike, shouting upstairs being like, hi yeah don't worry it's only me, I'm just gonna like (laughs) make myself at home and like putting the kettle on and then sitting down in this complete stranger's house. (laughs) (laughs) And I just remember it really sticks out in my mind because so often the things that we do that we think are going to make it sort of easier for other people or be more polite, actually do the complete opposite. And so, by me just walking into this person's house and making myself a cup of tea and making myself at home,
0: mm.
1: it immediately made us both feel more relaxed, and it meant that she could get changed and not worry and. You have those guests that you need to look after and then you have those guests that just come into your house and it feels like you've known them forever. And so there is definitely something in that. And I really remember that moment where I was like, wow, I'm really comfortable in this other person's house.
0: That's excellent. I much prefer a guest who just comes in and puts the kettle on and rummages around in the cupboards looking for the tea bags. Absolutely for sure. (laughs) so following on from that so you did that and you released the podcast now the podcast had a different name to start with and you changed it are you able to tell me a little bit about that because it's something I've googled and I'm interested to know
1: yes absolutely so I think so often in the adventure space we set up women's spaces and we don't consider the fact that gender discrimination affects a lot more people than just women affects a lot more people than cis women and that actually maybe gender might be more of a spectrum than it is just this binary of male and female Mm. and at the time when i set up the podcast there were quite a few sort of other groups who I followed and really loved and really supported who used the word women spelled Mm W-O-M-X-N. So originally I called the podcast Extraordinary Ordinary Women and still made it clear that I spoke to both women and non-binary folk. And then around April this last year... um, I learned a lot more about the word women with an X and how actually more people find it unhelpful than they do helpful. So it's been used quite a lot as a way to other trans women by sort of saying that they're not actual women and that also there's a sort of an invisibility there for non-binary folk and you kind of lose an awareness of non-binary people in terms of the fact that they might present in a femme way or they might present in a very mask way or they might present in a very gender fluid way Mm. and that actually by using the word women with an x you're kind of losing that whole different spectrum of people and almost making them invisible. Mm. I did also read a whole load of good stuff about it in terms of it can show where there's a safe space or an inclusive space. Some people do still like to use it for themselves. So mm-hmm. I would never say something like, don't use it or stop using it completely. But with all of the research that I did, I found that it would be too complex to keep using it and still have my intentions clear Mm. and that if even one person could mistake it as being anti-trans or if one person could mistake it in whatever way then that was too much for me and so then I rebranded to extraordinary ordinary you and was there a reaction a reception to that oh it's so positive it was amazing I Put out a few different statements, and then I linked lots and lots and lots of resources. All the resources that I'd used to do my research, mm. all the accounts, all the the non-binary people who've been kind enough to speak to me. Um, I linked them all in the stories, mm. and so many people who listen to the podcast or who or who were following the page also went. And like, looked at those resources, mm. and it kind of opened up conversations with people around gender who maybe weren't having those conversations before. And so it was so positive, and it was really beautiful to see. And I think what's so lovely about that is not just that there were people sort of like educating themselves, but you know, if I was like a young non binary person or a young trans person, and I saw people positively supporting and commenting on that, like that would be really affirming. So mm. yeah, it was really beautiful. And I'm so grateful to all my listeners and all the people who follow my account for supporting that.
0: Very Good indeed. I was interested in what you just said there about people not having these conversations. And that's something I wanted to ask you both about your own podcast, your own experience, but also in the most recent adventure you have been on supporting your partner Frit, who has also been on this podcast. So I am like feel like I've got the, the set now and, and we're going to come on to his massive adventure that you've been supporting. But what do you hope you would like allies to learn or as you say people who may not be having these conversations because it hasn't necessarily affected their life or anyone they know or they have not much to do with uh, anyone in the lgbtqia plus community and, and i'm not expecting you to be my google that's <laughs> also <laughs> i'm hoping it's asking what your sort of goals are
1: mm. so i guess they're two very different things with the podcast and with the glide for pride trip mm. So with the podcast, I feel like for me, it was very much about sharing a conversation with somebody who might not have had any access to that sort of conversation before, Mm -hmm. you know, who it might not have been in their awareness at all. And it's interesting because at the start of all my interviews, I'd asked people their pronouns and a lot of the people who I spoke to didn't know what pronouns were, which Mm. for me, having been in this space and been in this community, seems like it's really strange that people wouldn't know what pronouns are. But actually, if you step outside of, you know, I feel like I'm very much in a bubble. If I step outside of this bubble, there are so many people who have no idea who have never come across the question, what are your pronouns, and don't know what it is. And theres I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that or bad with that in terms of how dare you not know what pronouns are. Mm. But I think any opportunity that you can take to increase this conversation or share this information with people that might not have known about it otherwise Mm. is huge. And did anyone react badly to the question no nobody reacted badly um I think my favorite one was one person thought I was asking them what their nickname was which would be a (laughs) a very funny way to start a podcast um (laughs) but no there were no bad reactions at all but then sometimes it was also it can also be quite exhausting to do that work and so then there were some times where I was just like, oh, I I actually don't have the energy to have this conversation Mm. today. So yeah, that's not.
0: Yeah, no, I can can only imagine. And that's one of the things that I sort of, when I was thinking about interviewing you and, and I follow you on social media and I follow Frit and I've interviewed him. And I wonder how much of the work that you do that he does is quite exhausting. And I wonder... If it is, how do you decompress? How do you make time a bubble within your bubble, if you like, Mm. to sort of not be exhausted by it?
1: I mean, if anyone else has the answer to that question, then, yeah, please (laughs) let me know. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Whenever you are doing work that is really closely aligned to your identity... I think that is where some of the most beautiful, most purposeful work can happen. But it's also where the most exhausting work can happen. Mm. And if there are times when people are hateful against the work, whether that's directly to you or whether it's in the media or whether it's comments on other people's posts, Mm. it's not just an attack on the work, it's an attack on your identity. Mm. and that is really exhausting Mm. and then I think it's also exhausting because there's always more that could be done Mm. and so if you had unlimited time and unlimited resources the amount that you could achieve would be so much more and it's hard to not compare what one person can do with one person's time with what you could achieve if you had unlimited time and unlimited resources, mm-hmm. um and I feel like that's something that you get when you're really passionate about what you do. That maybe, you know, you don't get from the regular nine to five. Well, it's okay. I can just turn my laptop off now. <laughs> um, in terms of finding that balance, I, I don't think I'm really an expert that could give anyone else advice, <laughs> 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 apart from just trying to be really kind to yourself. And I think I'm realizing that actually days don't have to have balance and weeks don't have to have balance, but maybe the year does need to have balance. And so Mm. if you've got like a really busy period, then Mm. it's okay to have a period where you do absolutely nothing.
0: Oh, that's the hardest thing in the world. Cause I was telling you before we started, I've just had my eyes lasered. And so for two or three days, I couldn't really see properly and I, so I couldn't, you know, normally if you're injured or you're not well, you might turn on the telly, you might pick up a book, you might scroll mindlessly on Instagram. Nada, nothing. And I was sitting there going, oh my God, how impossible is it to do nothing? Like really nothing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I'm now like quite an aficionado aficionado of Audible, obviously, um, but it's really hard to do nothing.
1: It is, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I wonder if actually it's hard to do nothing because there are things that we might pay attention to or Mm realise in that nothingness that actually maybe we're not ready to pay attention to right now.
0: Yes. Everybody listening goes,
1: No, I'm not listening. I'm not listening. (laughs) I'm
0: going immediately to put on a load of laundry and uh, do something else. No, it's true though. It's absolutely true. And it was a bit like what I was saying earlier with that sort of, I like to sort of think that sort of sticky, itchy, horrid feeling you get when you know you've hit upon something that you need to work on. And you can choose to run away from it or you can choose to sit in the sort of oh okay now is the time that I want to deal with this mm. and that's hard
1: but also sometimes that running away might be what you need to do in that moment mm. and I think we almost need to like destigmatize that running away where we can recognize it we can be like oh I don't want to be with myself right now. And you're almost yeah. like, you just put a little bookmark in it and be like, okay, well, if now's not the time, let me do this other thing that distracts me and then come back a little yeah. later and check in again. I don't think it has to be a, oh, you've noticed, so now you have to jump right in head first. Yeah. And no matter what you find there, you've got to be in it.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, even if you look at it on the most superficial of levels, sometimes you look around your house and go, my good God, well, in my case, what a mess what an absolute pigsty and then you're like yeah I'm just gonna go and watch telly (laughs) and you know that it's there and you know you've got to deal with it but you know if you're talking about a very superficial analogy I think it's you're absolutely right I hadn't thought of it that way but I think it's right sometimes you can just say to yourself I haven't actually got the energy to to do this right now
1: completely and I'm sure if you did jump in and tidy your house then once your house was tidy you'd look around and there would be something else There is like always another thing
0: to do. Anyway, so talking of doing the hard work, let's move on to your most recent sort of project, if you like, which is not, wasn't really your project, but by relationship and by skill and by default, perhaps, you were involved in Fritz Glide for Pride, which is just the most extraordinary uh, expedition. I heard you being interviewed by Nikki Bass, both of you, the other day. And she, I thought that was very pertinent that she, called it an expedition because it was huge and it was difficult and meaningful and all of the things so he cycled, uh, rollerbladed and cycled how many kilometers a thousand miles a thousand miles good lord Mm -hmm. um which is 1600 kilometers for anyone listening in new money uh all around england in a zigzaggy type fashion interviewing so a similar sort of concept to you, but with a very, is there a different goal to interview people from the LGBTQIA plus community in order to tell stories, hear stories, widen his appreciation and understanding of the community. Have I got that right?
1: You have indeed. Absolutely. Well done, yes. me.
0: <laughs> and what was your role in that?
1: I was support crew. Mm. brutal (laughs) yes um coming from a bit of a trail running background i knew that support crew was going to be tough and that there were going to be lots and lots of elements to it but my goodness was it like one of the most toughest things Mm. ever like i would say so much harder than doing your own trip is being Mm. there to support somebody else And so under support crew, I was the van driver in that we would often stay in the van overnight. So Frit would cycle or rollerblade in the day. If they needed to change between cycling and rollerblading, they would do that at the van. And then I would like drive on and then we'd park somewhere, stay overnight in the van. I was food and shopping and water. (laughs) I was emotional sport, which if anyone has been a support crew or done a big trip is probably the biggest role. Um, mm. And I think it, it comes back again to that exhaustion that we were talking about and that purpose that we're talking about. Mm. And when you're on the road and when you're on a trip, that is all intensified a million percent. And then I was also camera I wasn't supposed mm. to be filming, um, mm-hmm. but Rachel Sarah M, who's a fantastic filmmaker, broke her arm and yeah. she couldn't join for as much as the trip as we hoped. And so then I ended up filming as well. So I was wearing yeah. all the hats as support that, crew.
0: That is exhausting. I, well, I, I the reason I can appreciate is I met my husband as support crew in an adventure race that he was competing in. And I have supported him through many, many things in the past nearly 20 years so I absolutely get it it is thoroughly exhausting because often as we said before often the person doing the adventure and it's not always the case all the time but they are just putting one foot in front of the other doing what they got to do and I know that's not necessarily the case with Frit there was a lot of mm-hmm. um, involvement in, in and lots of elements but as you say there's so many hats you have to wear as support crew and it, it is exhausting I just recently interviewed. Sonny Lawrence, who's the wife of the Iron Cowboy, James Lawrence, uh, who does these sort of 100 iron man in 100 days, you mm-hmm. know, back to back. And one of the things she and I talked about, and I wondered if this was the case for you and Frit, there are times when the person you are supporting, who is also the person that you love, is not the person that you know. Mm. Did you come across that? And if so, how did you deal with it?
1: Oh, yeah, straight away, like day two. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think there is there is something that the people that we love the most and we trust the most are the people that see us at our best. Mm-hmm. Um, and that definitely rings true on adventure races.
0: Mm. So,
1: yeah, completely resonates like I just remember you know there is this one day when we were sat out in the sun doing yoga or something and then it just got to the point where I was like okay Frit, you need to stop talking I'm just going to give you a foot massage and we're going to see if that makes it better (laughs) (laughs) and it does you know eventually it does um But I think that's also why you have to really trust your support crew and Mm. have that knowledge of each other beforehand. Because I think, I mean, I don't know how you could meet someone support crewing and build that relationship. For Mm. me, yeah, having to know the whole of somebody rather than just who they are when they're at their like lowest, Mm. snappiest, most emotional moments.
0: Yeah. No, it's difficult. It's really difficult. And what she and I were saying was that you just have to, you know, that that this person is in a world of pain, physical, Mm -hmm. mental, emotional, and that they are, that it's, they're not there. They're not, Mm -hmm. they're not actually there. And that you have to withhold judgment. You have to be in control of your own emotions and your own ability to just say big, deep breath. But it's hard. I mean, I remember being on Race Across America with my husband and, you know, the heat and the intensity and the non-stop nature of the race is just insane. And me going to give him a hug before he started on one of his legs and him going, oh, get off. I'm, it's so sweaty. And I just howled <laughs> I was so so like past the point of everything it was anyway I'm sorry I digress but it's sometimes you can't you just you, you you know it's really hard to keep control of your own emotions where you know you have to
1: yeah completely a hundred percent and and there are so many of those little moments aren't there where you're like I know you don't mean this I know you don't mean this I know
0: you and, and you know, and, and for me, I, I look back on that as just one of the experiences. I don't look back going,
1: that bastard
0: <laughs> made me cry <laughs> in the sweatiness of Mississippi.
1: <laughs> no, absolutely. I look back and I, I'm just like, wow, I'm so grateful that we're strong enough that mm. we can go through those tough times together and it's all right. And I think there's like a certain bravery and vulnerability that comes with being that person Mm. who is not showing up as their best self. Yeah. That actually, it's like, well, if it's okay for you to not show up as your best self, sometimes then, you know, if I ever find myself in a position where I can't show up as my best self, like I know that that's going to be okay. Like you're here for the storm as well as the sunshine. And there's something so beautiful in that and yeah I think it's quite hard to be that person who does it first almost Mm. so yeah I think it's a real honor to be that support person and you know to be the one that is getting the flack and getting the meanness
0: (laughs) (laughs) no you're right actually I hadn't really thought of it but about that about it like that and I think that's very that's very true, actually. And there is, as I say, there's a great deal of vulnerability on both sides. Mm. And you know, I mean, gosh, your whole relationship over, you know, because you were away on your trip and Frit was supporting you, and then Frit has been on this incredible journey into themselves, and you know, you've now supported them on their journey, and and your relationship must be. I'm not gonna ask you to delve into your relationship, <laughs> clearly, I'm not. I'm, but I just I feel that. You're far from posh and Bex, but you you're you quite a lot of your relationship out there, and I feel like it's been a really really lovely thing to witness, if I may say so.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I think we are both sharers on social media, mm. and so really from the start of our relationship, even when we were just friends, it was already very much on social media and we'd always post about it and so then it seems like it's been just a very natural journey to stay that open Mm. and it's been so beautiful to have so many people message us about their own queer identities through how proud and outwardly loving we are Mm. And so then that's really encouraging to sort of like keep sharing and keep being more open and public with it.
0: Yeah. And I can tell you that from a sort of heterosexual married woman that I, I have learned a lot and I don't know, I I imagine that's not in any way your goal, but it has been something that I have learned from and understood more and I feel very grateful for having been able to be part of your journey as well.
1: Thank you. Thank you. That's really lovely to hear.
0: Well, thank you because this has just been amazing and I feel like we could just keep going for days and days. Uh, But however, people have a a lifespan on on their listening abilities. And I wanted to know, where can we follow you, first of all?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, The best place to follow me is on Instagram, I Mm -hmm. am Frankie underscore Dewar and from there you can get my link through you can get all my other places and you can also visit my website that is frankiedewar.co
0: Bab and I will put all that in the show notes and did you or do you have a challenge Katie?
1: well do you know what so originally I think because I've been doing so much with social media I think originally my challenge was going to be social media based Mm. but that doesn't feel like it fits this conversation at all so then I wonder whether my challenge Katie should be This is going to be like the most random one ever. You're going to be like, how can I actually do this? Again, my challenge, Katie, is going to be to check in and see whether or not you're avoiding the stillness.
0: Mm.
1: And if it's right, jump in. And if it's not right, go watch the telly.
0: <laughs> yeah oh gosh! You've actually just given me like a little jolt of adrenaline there, and I've been challenged to do some pretty crazy things, but actually that's one that has that's the only one that's ever made me go, Oh my God, okay, all right, yeah, good, check with the stillness, <laughs> good, I like it. I'm not sure how I can uh tell people about that on a story on Instagram, but it's uh yeah, no, it's good, thank you, challenge accepted. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, thank you, Frankie, for your time and your energy. I really am very grateful because we touched on
1: some quite
0: big stuff there. And uh I'm very grateful.
1: Thank you so much. It's been amazing to chat to you. And yeah, I feel like we've really gone in deep today. I know. <laughs> I was feeling a little bit out of my depth and some of the depth that you were going to, and I was like,
0: whoa, yeah, okay. <laughs> got to up my game here brilliant anyway (laughs) thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure thank you thanks for listening i really hope you enjoyed that i'll be back next week with some more great chat with another amazing woman bye-bye